what happens when a group of friends make a wrong turn? <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, maybe I'm hyping it up, hyping it up a little bit. And then we meet a young man growing up in a haunted house, and that's hard enough. But things go from mildly scary to downright terrifying when the entity decides to break the boy's mind. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. You guys had lots of fun. We got a ton of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Rudy Jazz. Woohoo! Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, come on in, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy Jazz donated during our Thanksgiving live stream spectacular. So, Rudy, you're gonna be our captain, our pilot this episode. Rudy is also a member of the Patreon. And generally, almost always joins us for our Patreon live episodes that we do Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you remember the Patreon, join the Discord and you can join in on those as well. And we'll get you in there. We always have a lot of fun. I mean, basically, it's the same episode you would hear now, but more coughing and more of me going, uh, what? What do I do now, huh? It's funny. The veil is pulled back completely. This show shockingly, is highly edited. Sometimes they'll hear an hour and a half long episode and it'll come out as a 45-minute episode and you're like, what, Jason, I'm missing that much? No, you're not. It's bad jokes and a lot of coffee and a lot of me going, I'm going to go get a soda and I get up and I walk around. I get a soda. I sit back down. I'm like, where was I? It's so weird. It's so weird. See, just there, I had to edit out a cough. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, Rudy's longtime supporter of the show. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. Thank you so much for your Thanksgiving live stream donation. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you guys can't join the Patreon, buy merch, anything like that, that's fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Let's go ahead and get this party started, Rudy. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Drive us all the way out to Tennessee. Nice leisurely drive across the states down south to Tennessee. We're headed out to this little town. We don't have the name, but we have the population. So maybe you could figure it out. Maybe that was my job. Maybe I should have figured it out. It's the late 1990s. We're in a Tennessee town. Population 27,000 people. If you think that's small, that's double the population of the town I live in. If I went there, I'd be all, oh, golly, look at all them people. Look at all them people walking around. There's this many people on Earth, huh? What? We're about to meet this young man. Let's go ahead and call him Jake. He's a high school student. And what he did for fun is something everyone did for fun in the 1990s, because we all could. We drove around. We drove around. Gasoline was 95 cents a gallon when I was driving in the late 1990s. Hey, guys, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's just get in a car and we'll all listen to a CD or the radio and drive around for hours. We did this all the time. 
I can't imagine anyone now being like, hey, dude, what do you want to do? Uh, let's drive around. Let's spend $50 doing nothing. 95 cents a gallon. Anyways, Jake, a man after my own heart, while he's in high school driving around for fun. One day, Jake says we're driving around like we always do in our town, like we've always lived in, that we've always lived in. He goes, take a corner. And we begin driving down this road, and immediately, Jake realizes something is off. Jake realizes they're not where they're supposed to be. But that doesn't make sense, right? You're in the middle of your town, you're in the middle of the day, you're driving, you turn a corner, you don't expect to be somewhere else. But as far as Jake could tell, and his friends realized this too, they're looking out the windows, and they're like, what in the... Jake, where are we? He's like, I have no idea. He says as he's driving down the road. It was so weird. He realized immediately something was different. He goes, all the houses on both sides of the street looked like houses had what he called distinctive Mexican architecture. They did not look like a suburban house in Tennessee. They looked like they were houses from Mexico. And then he realized everybody walking down the street was Mexican. And all of them, all of them were staring at us as we were rolling down the road. Like, <laughs> wait. You're like, Jason, I'm telling you, bro, a ghost better pop up, better be an alien at the end of the story. I think it's just the story of a guy who turned down the road in his town where a bunch of Hispanic people lived. Well, hold on. Let me finish. He's driving down the road and a bunch of people, a bunch of people that he said they looked Mexican were staring at him. All of them were staring at him and all the friends realized this too. They're like, oh my God, Jake, what's going on? And he continued to drive down that road. And then the road turned. And he's back in his neighborhood. The neighborhood that he always knew. And they're all freaked out. All of the friends go, wait a second. Did you just see that? Yeah, I saw that. We were driving down that road. That wasn't our road. That road has never existed in our town. So they immediately double-backed. He goes, we doubled back to drive down that road again. And when they did double back and get to that point where the road was supposed to turn, it was an empty field. Jake said when they were driving down that road, he got a really eerie feeling. Something was off. This has nothing to do with race either. It's not like he's a racist guy and he's mad that a bunch of Hispanic people moved in his neighborhood. Something was off on a totally supernatural level. Like something was not right. It wasn't about demographics or anything like that. I don't want you to get the wrong opinion about Jake. He goes, I, I, I felt off. We all did. It was super eerie. Something was weird. He goes, when we doubled back and when I saw that that was just a field, he goes, that was actually creepier to me. He goes, the eeriness feelings only got worse. Being in that situation 
was bad. But then finding out that, yeah, that road does not exist. You weren't supposed to drive down the road. He goes, that was the worst part of it. That was confirmation that something weird had happened. He said, we tried to find that street again. We began drive this neighborhood we've been in for years and years and years. We used to drive around for fun. He goes, no matter what, we can never find that street we initially even pulled onto. They just couldn't find it. He goes, eventually, because it's really like freaked him out. He goes, I went to the library to look at maps of my town and was looking at historical maps of my town as well. I could never find that street again. It's funny because if you think about the story, logically, it does seem like somebody driving down a road and they turn into an area they've never seen before. And let's say the driver is Caucasian and it's a Hispanic neighborhood. And they're like, whoa, no, we're in a different dimension. Oh, no, where are we? We're on an alien planet. Oh, no. And I think it could super easily be dismissed as that. I don't think that's what happened. I think if you... Because one, the population of the town is so small. 27,000 people. It's not like these people are passing through this town for the very first time. They're very familiar with this. They drive for fun. And when you do drive for fun, you just take random turns. It was never... You just take random turns. It was never like, let's go here. We would just drive around and talk when we would drive around. So it makes sense that you would just randomly turn on a street. This isn't the story about a Caucasian dude from Tennessee turning down a street where you have a bunch of Hispanic people living and he's freaking out. No, I think something else happened here. You could easily hand wave it away as that. But the fact that you turn down a street in a neighborhood and yeah, you may have demographic change over time. The buildings did not match the Tennessee neighborhood that they knew. And the fact that everyone on the street was also staring at them being like, what in the world are they doing? He goes, everyone was staring at us. If you did have a recent influx of Hispanic immigrants into a Tennessee town, they wouldn't be like, a white guy, a white guy driving down the road, call the news. Oh my God, Sally, get out here, watch, look at this. No, they they wouldn't have any reason to think it was weird if you had one street in this town that had an influx of immigrants, they wouldn't be weirded out. Why would they be staring at this car driving down the road? It's just one street too. It's not like a area. It's not like a whole group. It's not like how you have like Chinatown in San Francisco where I'm sure deep in Chinatown, there could be people being like, what, what are they doing here? This is like really deep in Chinatown. It's normally just, Chinese people here, there are like special restaurants and things like that that you don't get to go to unless you know somebody and so on and so forth. It's not like that. It was just a street. It's easy to think that it is. And that would be kind of like the goofy thing that they just drove down a wrong street and assumed it was paranormal because there were people who didn't look like them. But I think you could... And I, I know, listen, I'll be honest. I know I'm going to get a bunch of heat for this. I know people are going to be like, what? That show's so dumb. <laughs> Some kids drove down the street. Jason thought it was paranormal. That's how stupid that show is. That's fine. I can take that. I think this type of, whether this was a uh, time slip, whether this was, because let's look at the paranormal answers here, whether it was a time slip, whether it was a alternate reality. Because even the time slip, wouldn't make sense because he checked the historical maps. And I think that's why he was looking at that. He's go, did I drive into the past? It's possible that he drove into the future. 
a future far enough that the original houses built on that street would have been replaced with houses matching the immigrants coming in, but not so far into the future that they're like riding on space scooters. You know what I mean? They're like flying around in jetpacks, Jetson style. It could be an alternate reality. He could have traveled into an alternate world where Tennessee was not settled by Europeans. And instead a Hispanic population came up in there. It could have been that when he turned on this road, he was teleported to someplace in Mexico. And he's driving down that road. And what's funny is all of those things we've talked about before on this show. We did that episode about, I think the guy was in the Philippines and he got teleported into Mexico City. That's like a famous uh, time warp teleportation story. I'll put that episode in the show notes. It's funny because we discuss all of those topics. The fact that this one seems so mundane does make it laughable. It's the story of the wasp, right? The white Anglo-Saxon Protestant driving into the, quote, wrong side of town. But I don't think that's what this story is. I think that this story, if this guy wrote it, either the guy wrote it up, he goes by the name, The Whole Truth. So there you go, right? That's in his name. The Whole Truth is, is his name. Um, he could have made it up as a joke. That's something that we encounter. That's something you encounter when you read the New York Times or watch the news. People make stuff up all the time. But if he's telling the truth, if they did experience this, it easily could be alternate reality teleporting through time or just teleporting to another place on Earth. The fact that the people reacted to him the way that they did means that they were looking at not only the people, but I also bet they were looking at the car. And it was all out of place for them, too. And the reason why I wanted to tell this story is because it is so mundane. Because it is so easily mistaken for something else. Which I think is a factor in the world of the paranormal. I think that, and I've said this before, you're walking through the mall. You see a little kid in the toy aisle of a KB toy stores. Do any of those things exist? Maybe I'm the guy in the time warp. Shopping malls, KB toy stores. You're walking through the mall, you see a little kid in the toy aisle and he's looking at Power Ranger action figures. You don't even think of that. You don't even like really register that there's a kid there. You're not buying an action figure. It ain't your kid. It's like you barely register it. That kid's a ghost. It's three in the afternoon. It's a Thursday. There's a little boy standing in the toy aisle. You don't ever think that kid's a ghost. If you walked past that aisle and go, oh, wait, I do need a Power Ranger action figure. And you stuck your head back over and he was completely gone. You wouldn't think, wow, that was a ghost. You would think, oh, that kid must have left. Maybe his mom called him. You probably wouldn't even notice the kid was gone because you barely noticed the kid was there in the first place. And then you walk down that aisle and you look for which toy you want. Green Ranger, of course, he's the best. And you go to pay for it. What you saw was the ghost of a child. But because it happened at 3 p.m. on a Thursday in a KB toy store, you never register it as a ghost. I think that is the number one paranormal sighting is stuff that seems completely normal. If you saw him at the foot of your bed, you'd have a heart attack, right? You'd be terrified. If you saw him standing in a graveyard, if you saw that same boy staring outside a window of an abandoned home, you would go, oh, that's a ghost. 
But if you saw that same boy, that same ghost boy, staring at toys in the toy aisle, it would never register with you. And I think that happens a lot. And I think this might happen too. I think people driving down the road may take a turn in a town they are familiar with or aren't. And all of a sudden they're driving. They're barely, I mean, listen, there's called road hypnosis for a reason. We totally fall into this mental state where we're barely aware of what's going on. And then on top of that, we have music or a podcast playing to distract us even more. I wonder how many times we've done something like this. You're driving through a neighborhood. The reason why they noticed this is because they knew their town so well. If you were in a town you didn't know and you're just driving and you're looking for something and you turn on a street and you're driving down the street and something seems off, but you can't really place it anywhere. You get to the end of the street, you turn, and then you're driving through the neighborhood and your GPS. You would never go, I just had a paranormal event. You might think, oh, that was weird. I kind of got a funny feeling when I was driving down that street. You would never think to match the architecture of that street to the other homes in the area. Maybe you do. Maybe you would pick up on it and you would think, oh, you know, just maybe this is a newer part of town or an older part of town. I don't know. You just go about your business. We could eat. What I'm saying is we could easily be navigating this world of the paranormal constantly and not even know. It could be the case where the average person sees a ghost every couple months. And I'm lowballing it, right? I don't want to say every day that's kind of highballing it, but it's possible that the more you spend out and about in groups of people, you probably are seeing ghosts. They're not being super creepy. Their eyes aren't gouged out. They're not vomiting blood. It's just a woman walking down the street. And if you stared at her long enough, don't test this, by the way, but if you stared at her long enough and if you followed her, you'd realize she would just vanish when she got to 3rd Street. And then you'd go, what the? I think it was a ghost. But because we're so distracted, we don't see it. Because we're taking turns down roads and we're barely paying attention as is. We're not in this town to sightsee. We're just going through this town to get somewhere else. You drive down a road, you get kind of a weird feeling. You you would not tell this story to a coworker or a family member. They're like, hey, how was your trip to that seminar? And you're like, oh, it was really cool, but this really weird thing happened. I was driving through this town I'd never been through before. A really nice town. And then I drove down the street and there was a bunch of Mexicans. And I got this really weird feeling. Like, you would not tell this story to anybody, right? You wouldn't admit that this happened to you. I think most people who experience this would never even know they were experiencing something paranormal. They were being teleported somewhere else. They did drive through a time slip. They did enter an alternate reality. But they weren't even registering it. We have that famous story. I don't. I think it was the Gaddington. I'll put it in the show notes. Very famous story about the four girls who were driving through a canyon. And they got chased by these aliens in these weird looking cars. They pulled up to like some restaurant and these aliens are all there or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. That's obvious. Right? That's obvious that they went somewhere else, if that story is true. But this one is realistic enough to just be like, well, that was weird. Had they not grown up in this town, they would have never even thought twice about it. They would have thought that was weird that I felt weird driving on that road. But they wouldn't have doubled back. They wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, did you see that? They would have just kept going and went to the local McDonald's and grabbed a bite to eat, and then continued on their journey to the next town. They wouldn't know, and you wouldn't know, and I wouldn't know, that they that we had actually traveled through realities. 
And such a mundane shift as well, right? It's just another street full of people. There's nothing truly eerie about it other than the feeling that Jake had, that uneasiness, that something was off. But since we're so constantly drowning, he noticed it because it was in his hometown. They noticed it. They noticed it because it was a town they were familiar with. I wonder how often we experience stuff like this and just don't even know. Just continue on our journey. Very mundane paranormal story. I actually love these type of things. Because it shows how ordinary the extraordinary can be. But on that note, now we're going to take a look at how weird and abstract the world of the paranormal can be. Because I like these stories too. Because at the same time, it can be ordinary. Or the forces behind this stuff could be so mind-bending that your brain just can't even make sense of it. Rudy Jazz, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Tennessee. Fly us all the way out to Michigan. We're headed to Michigan, specifically the southwest region of Michigan. A rural area, as it's described. We're about to meet a young man. Let's go ahead and call him Stephen. Stephen posted this, and he goes, listen... I've always considered myself a skeptic. I just don't believe in a bunch of paranormal nonsense. The last story, I think those guys just driving down the road made a wrong turn. Not a big deal. I'm a skeptic, Stephen says. But his mom and his two sisters, not so much. They are believers in the paranormal, but that's fine. You know, families are going to have different, different opinions about stuff. He said we were all living like a mobile home at a trailer park growing up. Not much paranormal activity in the house overall. Despite being a skeptic, Stephen goes, you know, there are events that's happened as I was a kid that I don't really have an easy time explaining what it could actually be. One time, both myself and my sister heard a a sound that sounded like a woman's scream. It lasted for about two seconds. Which, you know, could be a fox. A lot of people say foxes sound like a woman screaming. He goes, we were hanging out, my sister. He goes, I don't even know why she started doing this. He goes, looking back, it was kind of weird. We didn't think anything was going to happen. But she started recording some audio. It was me, her, and her boyfriend. We were all hanging outside. It was probably 13 back in 2006. And we heard the sound of this woman screaming. And they were totally freaked out. They ended up calling the cops because they thought something had actually happened. Please show up. They don't find anything. And then later on, my sister goes, oh, my God, I was recording during that time. And again, she couldn't really explain why she was recording. On the recording, they hear them, the brother and the sister, freaking out about the scream. But the scream itself doesn't appear on the recording. If it was just a fox, you know, you would have heard the scream show up on the recording. You know, like, is that truly paranormal or is that just something weird? It's not anything to push Stephen over from skeptic to believer. And to be fair, I don't think it would really push anyone over from skeptic to believer. There's been other stuff, hearing things moving around. When he was at his father's house, he'd hear stuff moving around. Dogs would be seemingly barking at nothing, stuff like that. Again, if you're a skeptic, that means nothing to a lot of believers. We'd even go, well, you know, could be anything. Houses make noises after all. 
But he did have two paranormal events, and that's really the only way you can describe them. 2002-2003 is when this first story takes place. He goes, the way it was set up was my bedroom. It's right next to the kitchen. So I, when the bedroom door was open, I could look out right into the kitchen. I wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning, and I'm sitting there in the darkness, and I see that the dining room light is on. And I hear the sound of my mother using her sewing machine. Stephen calls out for his mom. Whether it's because he... Well, let's see how old he was. He was 13 in 2006, so he would have been like 10 when this story roughly, give or take. He, he calls out for his mom. Mom? Mom, can you come here? When he calls out for his mom, he hears the sewing machine stop. And he hears his mom walking towards his bedroom door. But when she gets there, she stands in the doorway, staring, just staring at Stephen, with a horrifying look on her face. He said it was menacing. It was a look and expression that he had never seen his mom have towards him. Pure, raw hate. She doesn't say anything. She just stands there and stares. Stephen, who posted this last year, he goes, I honestly don't remember if I said anything or did anything. Like, I don't remember what happened. She came to that doorway and was just staring at me. It was so unexpected and off-putting. I had never, ever seen her like this. But I don't remember if I said or did anything. I was just laying there, and then as she's standing in the doorway, she turns her head, and then turns her body, And walks out of view. Stephen immediately bursts into tears and begins screaming as loud as he can. And while he's freaking out, he hears the sewing machine. And then he hears the sewing machine stop. Stephen's mom comes into his room. What's the matter, baby? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? What's the matter? Stephen, is everything okay? <laughs> Stephen's just sobbing. And the mom, she has no idea what's going on. All she hears is her son bawling his eyes out. And Stephen goes, Mom, I called for you to come and you came and you look you look so mad. And so why were you so mad at me? You look so mean, angry, Mom. I'm scared. And he's crying. And the mom's consoling him, going, Baby, I I I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do any of that. Oh, baby, come here. I was on the sewing machine. Now we covered, I honestly think, two other stories like that. 
And I think they both involved moms. I know for sure there was one about a guy who was playing video games really loud late at night. And he turned and looked and his mother was like staring through the door like the door was cracked open. And she had this hateful look on her face. And I believed we covered another story just like that as well, which I also think was the mom appearing in the doorway, just angry and hateful and full of rage. And each time the people who are experiencing these are saying, my mom's never done that. The video gamer was like, yeah, she's yelled at me for being loud. But never looked at me like that. So now we have three stories like this. Once is an event. Twice is a coincidence, but three times is a phenomenon. When we see multiple stories pop up that have the same factors, we have to step back and look, is this actually part of paranormal lore now? If you have a one-off story, that's just a really unique event. But if it's happened at least three times, different witnesses, different locations, different times across the years, you have to start to think, is this a part of the phenomenon. This, again, is one of those things that you may not ever think to post online or tell anybody. It's just so weird. Do mothers possess this weird ability? Because, listen, man, we all piss our moms off more than they'll let on. That's just what mothers do, right? Dads, Dads will let you know. Moms will grin and bear it. But I wonder if there is some sort of psychic ability. I wonder if this is something, now we have to read these stories, that mothers... Because I think they probably are really frustrated with these kids. They don't hate them. They're not actually full of rage. But they're a little PO'd. Mom's already up late sewing. It sucks, right? That's not cool. I'm sure she'd rather be sleeping. All of a sudden she hears her 10-year-old, Mom, Mom, come here, come here. She probably hears it all day long. And like a psychic version of her went there and was angry at him. I wonder if now this is part of the phenomenon. So now this is something we can look at and see if we have more stories like this out there. And there, this may be something that there are more stories about that aren't being reported. That's not all. Let's take a look at another event. We don't have an exact year for this one, I don't think. Let me do a quick check here. He did not give us a year for this story. He does say that he's in the same room. He also mentions that this time he shares a bunk bed with his sister. So I would assume younger. Generally, as kids get older, you separate the sexes in their room. But, you know, I know families are different. Space. Sometimes you don't have the space to separate by sex. Same room. Sister's on the top bunk. Steven's on the bottom bunk. Still probably in the early to mid-2000s, 3 to 4 a.m., Stephen wakes up. He wakes up and he hears the sound of... He he can't really identify it. He goes, it's either the washing machine running or the dryer running, but either way, it sounded off-balance. Like when you put too many clothes in the washer during the spin cycle or the dryer's just not balanced, right? That makes that drum noise. Wakes him up. It's loud enough to wake him up and he's laying there. He's trying to figure out what that noise is. 
And as he's laying there, he kind of rolls over and again, he can look out of his bedroom door and look into the kitchen and he sees something moving in the kitchen. He said, I couldn't see the bottom part of it because of the way the kitchen was situated, the way the counters were. He goes, but I saw the top. It was a two-dimensional or close to two-dimensional object or image or entity. He doesn't really know how to classify it. He goes, but it looked completely flat. It was tall and white with no real detail. It was a very plain image or entity or whatever this is. It was in the shape of a human. He could tell that. It was in the shape of a human. It didn't have a face, but he could tell that it was facing him. And it's wearing a cowboy hat. And it's standing there looking at Stephen. And while it's standing there looking at Stephen, it reaches up and grabs the brim of its cowboy hat, takes it off, and tips the hat towards Stephen. And then puts the hat back on. Takes it off again. Tips the hat towards Stephen. Puts the hat back on. Takes it off. Tips the hat towards Stephen. It's just doing this over and over and over again. Almost like a, a, almost I envision like one of those old like neon signs from like Las Vegas, right? Where it's like the thumb up. He didn't describe it like that. I don't want to give you the wrong image, but it's just this simple repetitive motion over and over again. And he goes, I'm laying there and it's dark and I see this object clearly because it's white and I can't make sense of it. I'm staring at it and it, he goes, I know there's not, that's not in my kitchen. I know I don't have a mechanical cowboy man in my kitchen. What in the world is that? And he starts to think, he goes, you know what it must be? Some kids in the neighborhood must have built this giant puppet in the front yard. And what I'm seeing is the like outline of it or a projection or I don't know, reverse silhouette, but it must be that. And he said, as I thought that, once I thought, oh, this must be a giant puppet, because it was making these weird motions over and over again, when he thought, this must be a puppet that the neighborhood kids had made outside as a prank, and somehow they're projecting it inside. Once he said that and realized that that was not true, like his brain was trying to come up with any logical reason as to what could be causing this, but his brain spit out that theory and he realized it wasn't true. It couldn't be true. It just didn't make sense. He starts screaming. He totally freaks out and starts screaming in the middle of the night because his brain broke. You're seeing something that you know is not real. It doesn't make sense. And that will happen. I remember, not to compare this, but I remember when one of my cars got stolen years ago, I walked out to go to work 
And my car was stolen. And it was not where I parked it. I couldn't figure it out. And you know the first thing I did? I checked my pockets. And then I remember looking up towards my apartment and I thought, well, maybe I left it inside. Now, that's completely illogical. The car's not in my pockets. I didn't leave it inside, but my brain couldn't understand the fact that my car got stolen. It was the very first time I had a car stolen. I've had multiple cars stolen since. But that first time, I go, oh, maybe I left it upstairs. Because my brain's trying to make sense of it. An object that I own is no longer here. It's kind of the same thing for him. His brain is trying to make sense of this object, so it created this elaborate thing. Maybe your buddies have a giant puppet outside and they're projecting light on it, which makes a white version of it appear in your kitchen. He's screaming. Sister wakes up. She's pissed off, right? She's in the top bunk. She's dead asleep. All of a sudden, you hear someone screaming coming from underneath you. Mom runs in, and when she runs in to the room, she actually turns on the kitchen light. Not because she thinks anything's in there. It's just what she's doing to get through the little trailer. That's just what she's doing to get through the trailer. She turns on the kitchen light, and when she does, Stephen sees that this white figure just vanishes. Now, the sister's like, what the hell is going on, Stephen? Why did you start screaming? The mom is like, honey, what's going on? Why? You know, she's a little more empathetic, but also probably doesn't want to be woken up at 3 or 4 in the morning. He's telling them what he saw, and he's also saying, do you guys hear that noise? Do you guys hear that noise? He's still hearing the... And the mom does not hear it. His sister does not hear it. She actually, because he's so insistent he hears that noise, the mom checks the washer and the dryer. Neither of them are running. But Stephen is still hearing this noise. Mom comes back into the bedroom, tells Stephen, the washer and the dryer are both shut off. He's continuing to insist there's something in the kitchen. He's seeing this thing. It's like tipping a cowboy hat at him. Stephen's mom looks down at him, touches his forehead, and goes, oh, honey, you're just having a fever. You're just having a fever. It's fine. Just go back to sleep. It's just a fever dream. And Stephen is trying to calm down. Mom's sitting there with him for a bit, and then she's like, just go back to sleep, honey. And Stephen's like, okay, okay. Mom gets up. She walks into the kitchen, shuts the light off, and goes to bed. But the second that light is shut off, Stephen looks and sees the man in the cowboy hat standing there still, taking his hat off tipping it towards him, putting it back on, taking his hand. Steven just said I rolled over, right? I didn't want to look at it. I didn't know what it was. I couldn't explain it. And that's what I did. He goes, I just rolled over, terrified, forced myself to go to sleep. Steven said later in life he had brought this story up. He was talking to his mom and his sister about it. And his sister, she didn't say anything, but she remembered it. She goes, you yeah, know, I remember when you started screaming. Yes, <laughs> vivid memory of my 
own childhood when you began screaming at the top of your lungs while you were sleeping on the bunk underneath me. And the mom was like, no, I remember that too, honey. I totally remember that night when you were having that fever. But the mom did admit to Stephen, you didn't actually have a fever. I just made that part up. I just touched your forehead and said you had a fever so you would calm down. There was nothing in the kitchen, Stephen. But you were so worked up, I told you you had a fever just so maybe you would relax. And just like the vision of his mother standing in the doorway, Stephen said, to this day, the idea of that man reappearing just absolutely terrifies him. Just absolutely terrifies him. Which is funny because in the pantheon of spirits, it seems pretty lackluster. It's just a man, like a two-dimensional, white, plain figure, taking its cowboy hat, tipping it, and putting it back on over and over and over again. We've covered all sorts of nasties on this show over the past five years, going on six. But it's the idea that it doesn't make sense is what makes it so creepy. I had an old friend of mine. She always said the creepiest thing to her was looking out her window and seeing a man standing in her backyard or her front yard. It didn't matter. But looking out your window and just seeing a man standing there looking at you. It was the creepiest thing to her. And I go, and then like you see him run to the front door. She goes, no, 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 no. That's not creepy. She goes, because now I know why he's there. He's there to break into the house. He's there to get me, whatever. She goes, it's the unknown motive. Just him standing there. He's not doing anything overtly sexual. He's not trying to break in. He's just watching. The fact that you don't know why he's there and what he wants is what makes it so terrifying. Once he then does or says something, while it may still be threatening, while you may still be worried, that wasn't her deep-seated fear. It was the unknown. Waking up in the middle of the night and seeing a ghoul in your closet, terrifying, of course it's terrifying, but you could classify it in your head. You could go, that was some sort of evil entity coming after me. You could make sense of it, but what did this want? That's what doesn't make sense. Even the angry mother, you can start to think, well, like I said, maybe it was the psychic vision of the mother, so frustrated, leaving her body. She's still at the sewing machine, but it went there instead. That kind of makes sense, but what is this? And it's very interesting, too. I didn't think of this, you know, I usually read these passages a couple times, but when I'm saying it out loud, it comes off different. The mom's saying, I think that you had a fever. I just wanted you to go to bed. I bet you the mother has experienced very bizarre paranormal activity in that place as well and stuff she just hid from the children. Because she's a believer in the paranormal. He said that she's a believer in the paranormal. But she just seemed to brush off the fact that he saw something in the kitchen. She didn't try to replicate it or anything like that. Now, maybe that's just part of being a parent. You know, you're like, what? A monster in the kitchen? Let's find out, kids. But it could be that she knew there was something in that place, and instead of terrifying the kids, she made up a thing saying, you got a fever, go to bed. She knew full well there was something in that kitchen. She had seen something before. Whether it was the same image or something else, I just kind of got that feeling reading it out loud. So what was it? We don't know. Was it good or bad? We don't know. 
Why did it appear in this form? We don't know. And the unknown is terrifying. It's so abstract in not just the way it appears. Also the sound. What was up with that rattling mechanical sound? That almost makes me think alien. Like some sort of device was being run. But I mean now that's a whole other different rabbit hole to go down. You have this two-dimensional tall white cowboy tipping his hat over and over and over again. That's just an odd image. We have this odd sound and we have a unknown motive. Why was it here? And again, that would be the creepiest part. I mean, there's a whole bunch of creepy parts, honestly, but that would be the creepiest part because since you don't know why it's there, you don't know what it wants, you wouldn't know how to stop it, how to appease it. And that may be why he is so afraid of seeing it again. I think the other option is, and we'll end it like this, is it is possible that that is not what he saw. It is possible, and we've seen in other paranormal reports, honestly, we see it a lot in alien reports, but it's possible that he saw something that truly did shatter his idea of reality. Saw something so grotesque, so dark, so powerful, so mysterious, that the only way a child's brain could in any way understand it was a two-dimensional, white, tall man tipping a cowboy hat. That's the only, only way his brain could figure out what was going on. And instead it was something so far beyond human understanding... That his brain took all those elements and, while trying to understand what was going on, had to create some sort of image out of true madness. Had to create something out of all of these disparate parts. Because none of it makes sense. The mechanical machine, the washer machine sound, mixed with a two-dimensional image, mixed with a cowboy, mixed with it facing him and tipping the hat over and over again, and disappears in the light, and no one else can see it. If it was a full figure of a cowboy, we'd say a ghost. If it was the mechanical noises and a illuminated entity in the kitchen, we'd say alien. A place that historically had a cowboy ghost, back to the ghost. Ghosts can repeat motion over and over again, but generally it's not so limited. It'll be something like, every so often you hear the sound of someone tumbling down the stairs. If someone died there back in the 1800s, they tripped on their wedding dress and fell down the stairs, broke their neck. It wouldn't be, fell down three stairs, rewinds, falls down three stairs, rewinds, falls down three stairs, and does it in a repetitive motion until basically... You have to just leave the area. We have not encountered hauntings like that. As far as I can remember, you know, we've done a lot of episodes on this show. But something that this boy saw drove him so mad that his brain snapped and then had to try to rebuild something he could understand in the moment. Otherwise, he would truly go insane. And so it created this image of this two-dimensional cowboy tipping its hat. 
And Stephen says, to this day, I am terrified that someday I will encounter this man again. But that's not necessarily true. What he truly fears is the entity that hides behind this image. What he truly worries is that someday this force will reappear in his life and appear to him as it really is. He's not afraid of seeing a man in all white tip a cowboy hat over and over and over again. He's afraid of seeing the darkness that lies behind that image. Because while his childlike brain cannot comprehend the insanity that stood in the kitchen, maybe his adult brain will be able to comprehend it just a little bit better. Maybe he could start to see the true gaping maw of madness that existed in that moment back then. Maybe now he'll see it for what it really is. And if that happens, there will be no question as to its motive. There will be no question as to why it is here. For true madness only has one goal. To take the souls of the same and drag them to the depths of insanity. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>